You're listening to Crypto at the Ferrum Roundtable, made for the people who want to make the most out of their crypto journey, with the mission of breaking down barriers to mass adoption of blockchain technology. This podcast is brought to you by the folks at Ferrum Network. All information in this podcast is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information contained in or provided in this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, or any other advice. Hey guys, welcome to another community update video here at Ferrum Network. Please welcome Nick. Hey Nick. Hey, how's it going, Tom? Hey, not too bad. And please welcome Ian. Ian, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Okay, so um, it's uh, mid-May. Let's just discuss what's been going on at Ferrum in the past uh, few weeks. Um, What do you think has been the biggest news that uh, we've announced in the past couple um, weeks to our community? Ferrum Dow. Ferrum Dow. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's that's what we're here for, um, and that's what we're here to discuss today. Um, so I am super excited about that because the main reason for Ferrum DAO is um, Ferrum is becoming like fully decentralized. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. More more democratic, more decentralized, more utility, um, and just really the way that a, a, a network should should operate. Now that there's going to be a lot more. Um, improvement proposals and what they call requests for comments. You know, if you think about ERC, that means Ethereum request for comment, EIP, Ethereum improvement proposal. We're going to have our own FRCs, FIPs, and there's going to be voting on these referenda to kind of help dictate the the direction of of the network. So it's it's really, really cool. Okay. Wow. Okay. Sounds complicated, but I'm pretty sure um, from a user standpoint, it is not going to be complicated. But um, let's just start from the beginning, shall we? So, Nick, you've obviously um, you've been quite vocal today um, on on the on the Ferrum DAO. Um, so, the first question is for you. Um, if you could tell us the the reasoning, the motivation behind um, uh, transitioning Ferrum um, into this uh, DAO, um, how does this um, transition going to impact the community, the governance committee as well, um, and what is the vision for the future of Ferrum Network um, once we deploy and launch? Um, the DAO governance. Yeah, so um, I think a lot of this goes back to the the, the current trajectory of, of Ferrum, right? Like we've always been a blockchain as a service provider, um, creating applications for both users and and you know clients around the space to utilize. Now we're actually building a network for people to build their own products and applications on. And as projects continue to scale, it becomes even more imperative that um, that they decentralize themselves and that they have a more democratic way of, of moving forward because that's what Web3 is all about, right? It's about um, de- democratizing governance, um, you know, the, tr- having a truly decentralized network, as, especially as we start open sourcing things and whatnot. So um, there needs to be, you know, really uh, sound mechanisms and protocols in place for determining what sort of improvements um, are going to be made to the network are going to you know be made to the different verticals of 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 Ferrum as, in, in general um but you know i think the main motivation for this was around us becoming a an infrastructure play a, a layer one and as as you scale 
decentralization becomes becomes more more uh, more important. And um, you know, a lot of projects kind of start off centralized, and then they continue to decentralize further. That seems to be the best route that a lot of projects have taken. And I think we've kind of we've taken that approach too. And this is a huge a huge milestone for us because now we're really putting the power of the direction of of the community of of the um, uh, network in the hands of the community. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had kind of an iterative approach to governance with, with the, you know, Faramex originally was a kind of a quasi governance token that allowed the governance committee to help a lot with this. The governance committee is still obviously going to play a, a major role because as we'll talk about later, there are, um, kind of, uh, requirements or prerequisites to be able to create proposals, which has to do with, withholdings, but there are no prerequisites aside from just staking in Crucible to be able to vote. Um, so everyone can vote. You know, it's kind of um, the more skin in the game you, you have, the the more easy it is for you to create proposals. Um, but there's these really cool mechanisms that we've put in place to, um, you know, eliminate things like governance tax. It's just a super well thought out um, um, uh you know, like structure to, to governance. And I'm, I'm super stoked to, to talk about it today. Nice. Okay. I mean, well, I'm pretty sure, you know, for everyone who's been um, on this journey with Ferrum for some time now, um, is pretty excited to hear about that because it's like the next iteration of Ferrum. It's like the next kind of phase for us um, that we are approaching right now. And uh, any kind of uh, further decentralization of the project is uh, always a great thing, um, you know, bringing and giving the power to um, to the community and making sure that the democracy aspect is, is in place. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so taking what you've just said, um, Ian, I've got a question question for you. Um, how can community members uh, ensure that they're actually being eligible to vote on proposals, that they can participate in a DAO? Um, and if you could just shed some light also on the um, proposal creation process, how does it work? Is the community going to be involved in discussing the proposals as well? Um, how is that supposed to work? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, in thinking about how we wanted to set up the DAO, we we realized okay we, we need we need to you know this needs to sort of um, further some of the products some of the utilities that we already have in place with Ferrum. we need to do certain things to prevent um, governance attacks like Nick mentioned we also want to make it as simple as possible honestly this is a big transition for you know for the community for the team for the community for everybody because um, it's new for us right um, and obviously people have experience dealing, uh, you know, governance probably across um, other projects that are, that they're uh, stakeholders in, but for Ferrum, it was new. So we wanted to make it easy, yet secure, and then also add value to what we've already built and we've already have in place in terms of utility. So, um, you know, sort of a, you know, big picture, you know, 360 view, um, it's it's simple to participate, right? Like, with as little as one staked CFARM, whether that's on BSC or Arbitrum or any other future chain we're going to launch it on, one staked CFARM um, and you can vote, right? Um, the more tokens you have staked, obviously, the more voting power you have on a one-to-one -one basis, but as little as one token allows you to participate. Um, also, as little as one token allows you to make kind of a almost preliminary proposal, right? Um, so that's kind of step one is if you want to make a proposal, you can. Um, even with one stake CFARM. Now, whether that actually gets picked up and formalized into a formal proposal is going to then depend on 
uh, essentially somebody within the existing governance committee. So again, we wanted to tie it back to what we've already been, you know, have in place. So anyone with uh, 450,000 or more staked CFRM can then formalize that proposal and then put it to the community for an actual actual vote. Um, I believe there's like a set five, five or seven day um, period in which a vote is like proposed to when the vote's like finalized. I believe we're doing binary choices to begin with. And by the way, the structure of this may change subject to governance decisions, which is kind of cool, right? Um, but this is the first sort of uh, structure of it. We want to, again, keep it simple. So five, five or seven days, I forget which, ultimately the vote occurs. Um, there are some formalities you have to follow as well and make a proposal. It's not just, hey, let's just do this. Like you have to come up with a bit of a plan. Of course, your rationale behind it, the goal is to be persuasive, right? Um, if, if you're making a proposal, um, you want people to rally behind that. So you need to be persuasive, you need to be detailed as to how that's going to work, who's potentially responsible for um, enacting that that uh, uh, that plan, whether that's a firm dev team or marketing team or maybe the community, whatever the case may be. So there's a there's a, basically a process you need to follow. We've, we've put together a helpful one pager. Um, I believe uh, uh, a, a there's a few different infographics floating around out there. One's in the white paper, one's elsewhere. Um, snapshot itself, which is where we're running everything through. Um, that tool um, also lays out everything. So it's pretty clear. It's pretty easy. Um, right now we're in the we're in the kind of the, the um, phase of, of course, rolling it out, but also thinking about, OK, what are some really cool um, proposals that we can start with that's going to get the community um, engaged with this, that's going to be meaningful for them. So we're having some internal discussions around maybe what some of those items could be. But at the end of the day, look, this we want this to be decentralized, community-driven. Uh, that's where we're headed with Ferrum, and that's where I think every Web3 project should aspire to be. So ultimately, the, the, the success of this is going to rest in the hands of the community, which is something that I'm re really excited about. So I hope that answers your questions, uh, Tom, or question, Tom. Yeah, yeah, this does answer um, the, the question. Um, for everyone interested, you know, we're going to be sharing the infographics and the whole process of how to vote and how this, uh, the whole um, DAO is going to work. Um, those things are being finalized, but uh, as soon as they're ready, we're going to inform everyone um, about that um, as well. So um, Ian, that's actually really interesting. You mentioned Snapchat. So Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about um, why did we choose Snapchat to um, uh, to make this uh, fundamental kind of change for Ferrum and to bring the DAO um, to to the community? What's uh, so special about Snapshot? Yeah, well, I mean, I think everyone knows that Ferrum we're all about turnkey solutions. Like we've provided a lot of um, white label solutions to to projects in the past. Now we're on the other end, uh, and we're on the the receiving end of being able to use something that's already um, in place out-of-the-box solution that's super, super customizable. Uh, Snapshot's awesome. It's kind of like the standard, the industry standard. And, you know, you, you saw it being used all the way back when, like, you know, Uniswap first came out and Uniswap's still using it. And all of the major DAOs are still using Snapshot. Um, and it's because of, like, the open source nature of Snapshot. Like, if you have an idea, you can contribute to it, which I think we'll probably talk about later on. Um, it's something that we've already contributed to the open source framework for Snapshot that now ourselves and other people are using. Um, so it's it's super customizable. It's, you know, turnkey solution out of the box, like ready to go. We didn't have to start from scratch. We didn't have to build anything of our own. 
which a lot of projects, you know, end up, end up doing. And it's, it's an expense. It's a, it's a time suck. It's um, and, and there's something already there. So um, they've, they've been an incredible su- supporting member of, of web three and we should, we should leverage that. So um, we're, uh, we're really excited to be, to be leveraging snapshot and using it uh, moving forward. And it just, it, it was kind of a no brainer for us. It was, it was, all the pieces were in place. So, um, yeah, hope that answers that. No, it does. It does. Cause I'm pretty sure, you know, um, people can be, can be quite interested in, um, in this topic. I'm pretty sure, you know, in web three, a lot of people already heard about snapshot. They've used snapshot. They're familiar with the user interface as well because they yeah. used it with like Uniswap. Um, so, so that's obviously a great thing and it's um, never a good idea also to reinvent the wheel if, you know, if it actually works really, really well. Um, so yeah, 100%. Um, but now I know, um, I'm not sure if, well, the people, the community members that already, um, uh, read the article that we've published um, on Medium, they, they probably aware of um, this connection between um, the DAO governance um, that we were running on the Snapshot and um, Crucible. But Ian, I actually wanted to dive a little bit deeper into um, into Crucible and Crucible's role um, in a DAO, um, in Ferrum's DAO. Um, how does Ferrum Network utilize Crucible um, in the first place to safeguard against any kind of governance attacks? Because we need to be ready as a project. We need to be ready for, um, for everything, basically. We need to make sure that uh, the community is uh, is being safe, you know. Um, and what unique attributes does uh, Crucible um, possess to facilitate this kind of security? Yeah. So, like I said before, we we you know sort of in devising this DAO setup, we wanted to make sure we were leveraging existing technology, existing utilities. Um, you know, Crucible being a key key component of the firm ecosystem, and we realized it was actually perfect for a DAO in the sense of uh, preventing DAO governance attacks, because what Crucible essentially does is, is, is attach, attaches a cost to malicious behavior. Now, that's not to say that someone couldn't just do it anyway, but it, it's, sad. it's it's like a 51% attacks on Bitcoin. Like theoretically it's possible. I don't know how many billions of dollars it would take to do that. So it's, it's that kind of concept. It's like you want to financially dissuade anybody who might want to Put out a malicious proposal against firm. By the way, we have other safeguards um, against you know that and the worst outcomes of that um, should it come to it. But um, as a first kind of layer of defense, so to speak. And by the way, I don't. I'm hopeful that this is not going to happen to firm. I don't think there's people out there trying to get us necessarily anything like that. Um, but it could happen in the future, and you got You have like you said, you plan for the worst with the mindset of how do we protect the community, the stakeholders, everybody else. So. Um, the idea is essentially you attack, you attach a cost to participating in governance because you have to stake, first of all, you have to buy the firm. Then you got to stake into um, Crucible, which a cost to that. Um, there isn't a cost of voting or anything like that, but if you wanted to then unstake, there's a cost to that as well. So, um, you know, ho- um, we're hoping that this uh, w- it would be a sufficient deterrent. If it's not, we have other safeguards in place. So I don't want people to be, you know, extremely um, concerned or anything like that. But I think it's a wonderful. Um, way to, to you know, not only leverage an existing product, an existing utility for the token, but potentially dissuade you know bad actors with kind of a financial penalty if they wanted to you know to put out a malicious vote or something like that. So uh, yeah, that 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 was really the mindset behind. It. I think it works perfectly. Yeah, one thing I'll add to that too is like it, it definitely helps from a voting perspective, but from a proposal creation perspective too, it takes a lot more 
um, stake CFRM to be able to create a proposal, meaning the penalty for, you know, um, like withdrawing or, or selling, you know, if someone wanted to get in just to create a malicious proposal, they'd have to stake 450 CFRM, um, you know, voting. 450,000. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. 450,000 CFRM. <laughs> And, and so like, that's even, even more of a deterrent for people wanting to create malicious proposals. Like people can go in and say like, Oh, I don't want this to pass because I don't like Ferrum. And so they vote for like, with like a hundred CFRM, but that's probably not going to do something. We need a 20 million CFRM quorum, um, which means like that there needs to be at least 20 million CFRM voted with in order for a, a proposal to pass. So hundred, you know, a thousand probably wouldn't have much of an impact, but somebody creating a proposal, um, maliciously with 450k CFRM stake, like there's they stand to lose a lot, especially like if they're doing something that's going to negatively impact the price while they're staked in Crucible, they're basically just kissing their investment goodbye. So this is something that's been integrated or implemented by a lot of different projects around the space via alternative mechanisms. But what's really cool is that Crucible lends itself really well to this and something that we've already had created. Um, Crucible is a mechanism to help incentivize behavior, desired behavior, right? And so um, that's perfect for for, for governance. And uh, yeah, we didn't, again, we didn't have to reinvent, we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. A lot of a lot of people are coming up with super complex and cumbersome processes to to defend against these these governance attacks. And you know, we this could still evolve. You know, we like like Ian mentioned earlier, based on um, future governance referenda and proposals and and votes, like we could continue to add further layers of security um, to these potential threats. Right, uh, something you always got to keep your your eye on when you're, you know, when you're a DAO. Right. So um, yeah, I think Crucible is a really really good kind of, like Ian said, first uh, layer of, of defense here. Awesome. Okay, thank you, guys. Um, now, Nick, can you also elaborate a little bit on Ferrum's recent contribution to Snapshot's open source um, repo and the potential it has um, for any other projects to use as well? Yeah, so this is super cool because um, this was something that wasn't really possible through Snapshot, which, again, is one of the really cool things about Snapshot is, like, you can contribute like uh, code to their open source repo. And, you know, if the strategy gets merged, uh, then other people can use it. And so uh, up until recently, and thanks to, to our CTO Taha, um, we snapshot users weren't able to track stake balances via multiple DeFi platforms across multiple networks. So we needed this because of the way that our token economy is set up. We've got um, we've got Crucible that's live on uh, on multiple networks, right? BSC and Arbitrum. And most people were just kind of relegated to having to track stake balances across one network. But we, just, um, be, because of the, the code that Taha submitted to the open source repo, now ourselves and other folks um, in, in, the, in Web3 are able to track staked DeFi balances across multiple smart contracts, across multiple networks, and have a cumulative balance shown uh for for their voters so it's, a, it's actually a pretty like substantial improvement to something that was already you know um uh, very very useful with snapshot so uh and i think you know ta has been in the discord and snapshot helping people implement it um already so there's other people that have kind of taken note um so it's it's pretty exciting 
and it'll it'll you know serve our community really well because people have their their uh, holdings spread across multiple networks now we don't really need to worry about you, you know not being able to use those those tokens those segregated holdings um, for the same for the same cause so um yeah that was essentially what what Taha created and, and submitted and um it's pretty cool Awesome, thank you, um, Ian. I've got one more question um, for you. Actually, um, you're a per- well, you're one of the you and um, Naeem, You know, you're you're the first people that believed in Ferrum in the first place. Um, and uh, I don't want to ask you about the vision because the vision is pretty clear. You know, we we're really um, open about uh, what Ferrum and the Ferrum team stand for. But um, in terms of uh, the mission, how it's been changing across the years, um, you know, for you to see Ferrum becoming a DAO and um, to open up to the community to participate in the whole governance process, um, it must be a huge thing. You know, I would love to myself and probably the community, we would love to hear a little bit more um, from your perspective. Um, What does it mean to you when you see Ferrum transitioning um, since, you know, back in 2018 um, to the DAO now, from the incubator to the DAO to the layer one? project what does it mean to you yeah i mean when i think back to like the early days 2018 which is you know five basically five years ago when i met aim and we decided to do this crazy crazy thing called firm uh, it's great it's, it's it's nuts to to see how far it's come and, and where it's gone all the people we've met along the way and all the hopefully the positive impact we've had along the way so um thinking back is just mind-blowing but um yeah i think i think it's great like as somebody who obviously has been involved with firm for so long and, you know, part, part of the, you know, the, the whole, the growing, the whole thing, I, I, I can't wait to, to, for more voices to come in, for more support to come in, for more ideas to come in. Right. Like I, I, I always had the mindset of like, we're stronger together. Right. Um, we can do a lot more collectively than myself, than, than my, you know, my co-founder, than any of the core team members can do on their own. Right. So to have this now, this DAO, um, where we can leverage the the sort of the power and, and, and the intelligence and the collective intelligence of, of, the, of the community, I, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. My hope is that um, folks really do buy in. Um, they really do get involved with this. Obviously, we understand the market conditions are challenging right now. And, you know, the interest just in general is, is low, but there's still a lot of exciting stuff happening within Ferrum. Um, there's you're going to see some really exciting proposals, I think, coming out related to uh, mainnet, related to multi-sop, related to incubations and pre-sales and investment opportunities. So a lot of different stuff that pre- pre- previously the community didn't have a lot of say on is now going to have tremendous say on. And to me, that is very, very exciting. I, mean, I couldn't be happier about it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe where, where we've come, you know, come to now after five five years of, of working, working on the firm. But we're still early days. We're still early days. We are. We are. Okay. Well, that's that's really nice. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ian. Um, guys, my final question: When can we expect the first proposal going live for the community to vote on? Um, can you shed some light on what is it going to be about? Um, and what's next? What's next for Ferrum? Yeah. So I, I I can touch on that real quick. Um, next week we're actually getting together as a as a team to go through the entire process of creating a proposal so that everyone on the team understands how to create proposals we'll probably turn this into some sort of like webinar so that other people can kind of understand how the process works 
Um, I think once you do it once, you'll know how to do it, but uh, it, it might seem like some, a few steps at first, but it's going to, it's going to be pretty easy. Um, anyways, we're going to be creating the, the first proposal and the way that any like legitimate DAO should be set up is by electing um, DAO mods, right? So people that can actually take a proposal and move it through the process and move it to the next phase so that it can go to voting, um, that people need to have elected officials need to have certain rights so that they can actually uh, move these things forward. And so we're going to be going through the process of nominating and electing DAO mods, which will probably be a combination, um, at least in the nomination phase of, you know, team members, as well as um, governance committee members. Uh, so that'll be the first thing. Um, and then there'll likely be some, you know, governance improvement related proposals that we may even uh, put up to, to a vote. And then, you know, there'll be fun things too. Uh, I mean, to me, that is really fun because it's the whole structure of a decentralized autonomous organization, right? That's what DAO stands for. So you have to put those, those checks and balances in place through a democratic system. Um, and so that that's the, the inception of the DAO is really going to take formation through these, uh, initial kind of, uh, proposals. Right. Uh, and then, then it'll get fun, you know, we'll start putting things to vote, like which network should we integrate with for our, our products? Um, you know, is there a, a, a decentralized incubator project that we should consider? Um, should, we, should we, you know, take a, should, should we advise these folks? Should we take an investment? Um, what sort of features do we want to see in multi-swap, you know? Um, Things even like what kind of fees should we have? Like, you know, there's there's a, a slew of things. The sky is really the limit. And then when mainnet hits, it's gonna it's gonna take off even more. But yeah, I think initially it'll be the structure, the setup of the DAO, and then and then we'll get into other, you know, um things such as integrations and some of those things I just mentioned. Brilliant. I mean, this sounds super exciting. So um, thank you guys. Thank you for um, uh, going through the process, um, the ideation, the um, reasoning behind um, the Ferrum DAO. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure to discuss this with you guys. Um, for everyone else, um, make sure to join us on Telegram and on Discord and make sure to read the article um, on the Ferrum DAO on Medium that's in the description as well. Nick, Ian, thank you so much for joining me here today. And I wish you have a great, wonderful day day and weekend thank you thanks tom thanks yeah. thanks thanks everybody. bye ferrum network is a pioneer in ushering in the era of interoperability 2.0 ferrum network's mainnet nodes and related infrastructure will bring value data and functional interoperability to every chain in the industry ferrum also specializes as a multi-chain blockchain as a service DeFi company adding deflationary mechanisms token utility, and advisory services to projects across the crypto space.